Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, your first question today is just a general one about biting. What would you do if you have a horse that threatens or tries to bite you? Uh, biting's an interesting one um, in the sense of, you know, you, you can sort of, it's, there's so many different, you know, scenarios where a horse may bite. Um, I'm going to sort of talk about it more in the context of when we're doing something or asking something with our horses that they bite, opposed to um, the young horse sort of, you know, the young ones that come up and they sort of nibble and nip and things like that and test, uh, which is that curiosity sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be sort of more talking about, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're asking a horse a question, applying certain pressures um, and them biting. So the, the most common sort of reasons why horses bite um, is because, well, it's, it's just them, well, they will be. So there's a, so, so say horses have a flight response, they've got a flight response and they say, okay, I'm really frightened, I'm going to run away. A horse that's not sort of frightened of you and you've sort of, you know, you've had for a while or you've brought it up yourself, you know, and, um, you know, you've known it since as a foal, things like that. Um, the most common reason they bite is because we're doing something and they're sort of not sure how to respond to it. It's a bit distasteful to them, isn't in the sense of, um, you know, it bothers them, they don't understand it, it's annoying, whatever. And they sort of go, well, I'm going to bite and just, you know, say, you know, we might be putting feel on a halter lead rope or something like that. And the horse is kind of biting and going, I don't really like it. And you've also got to remember also more in geldings um, than, um, than mares um, is, you, is they do a lot of playing and nipping and biting and stuff like that. So sometimes if we're out with our horses and we're doing stuff to them, then, you know, it's, it's very easy for them to kind of sort of nip and bite and bite back, especially if they're doing things towards them around the head, stuff like that. Or even if they um, feel that, you know, we're handling them or brushing them or doing anything with them and they don't like it, they're just going to go, well, I don't really like that. Just like when another horse goes up to say, say a young a foal's gone, oh, this mutually groom and stuff's really good. I want to get a bit more of this. And they go up to another horse that's, not in the mood to groom with them or whatever, and they'll go in straight in and go, let's mutually groom. And now the other horse turns around and goes, no, thanks. And they might flick an ear and then they might bite out and say, I don't really want to go away. Um, so it's just, um, you know, them, um, well, first they communicate sometimes if it's a negative thing and then they bite to say, well, you didn't listen to me sort of showing you that I didn't want you there, so I've bitten. So um, when we're going up and approaching our horses and stuff like that, sometimes they might be a little bit, you know, not happy about us approaching, but we still approach with the halter and put it on and then they bite. And it's like, well, they told us something before we came up to them and we got in their space, we invaded their space and they, they, they bit. So that, that, that type of biting would be sorted out more through, you know, having a bit more of a dialect with your horse when you approach them. So uh, you listen a little bit more to what they're saying to you and wait till they sort of have said, okay, I'm happy with you there, I, I, you know, you can come into my space. Um, so that type of biting, yeah, if we, if we're just a bit more, um, aware of them, then we might notice other little things before they bite. Cause once we're in their space and they've told us, I don't want you here. Well, they're going to be a little angry about us being there and, and nipping and saying, you know, get out, get out. I don't want you there. Okay. So that's, that's one form of biting. 
Um, you still have to sort of put curve on biting, um, but you've also, I think sometimes we cause biting in horses that didn't necessarily need to be caused. So, so, so you know, if I said how to curve biting uh, by, you know, telling a horse or teaching someone to, what to do when a horse bites, then maybe I, you know, won't be telling you what how to avoid biting when you're training training your horses. So when we're asking things around our horses' faces and stuff like that, or we're leading or they're following us, another time young horses bite and when we're leading ahead of them, they don't know if they're chasing us or following us because after after a bit of time they're following us and they're starting to go, oh, I'm following you, I think I'm chasing you because we're going ahead of them and they're following and, and to them, you know, it starts to, it's, it's like, you know, I can't remember if I was going up the stairs or down the stairs. Um, so we may think we're leading them, but us just walking out ahead of them is them kind of pushing us. And you see a lot of young horses start to nip and bite in those situations. Um, and that's, that's just something that, that I just will turn around and go, oh, hello. And then the horse goes, oh, hello. And then I'll just keep turning or, or turn around and walk. And I'll, I'll actually put more emphasis on that, on directing them through a field and not just me walking ahead and then following along. I'd probably uh, ask them a few questions along the way. So they, you know, back up a step, come forward a step and show them that they're following a pathway and not just kind of I'm ahead of them and they're behind me all the time. So, so that, that's sort of how you'd help that sort of biting. And the other sort of... Um, you know, times when you're around their head and playing with them and stuff like that. A lot of horses bite because once we're in their space um, and they might have let us in and then we start to do things with them like try and manipulate them to do a lead yield or something like that, they don't understand. They feel this kind of energy or pressure from the rope or whatever we're, we're applying and they, they go, well, I don't know what to do. I'm going to bite. So with those sort of that sort of biting, I might sort of continue with the feel. I won't sort of say, you know, don't you bite? I'll just continue with the feel. I might firm up a little bit when they bite, and then when they when they sort of think about biting. But I'll continue until um, they've shifted or done something and show them an alternative. So once a horse uh, has, knows they're allowed to move their feet and they can think and move, then they will stop biting because you've offered them an alternative. So an example might be I'm asking my horse to back up a little bit, and it starts to nibble at me while I'm asking it to back up because of the pressure on its nose. Well, if I just firm up a little more until the horse kind of moves its feet a little and then release a bit and then do it again until the horse starts to go, well, I can go backwards. I might think backwards and walk backwards. So then the horse goes, well, I, biting's not working, but if I think backwards, that works and go backwards. So then you, so basically you curb biting by offering a horse an alternative in training. That's if you've applied the pressure and they're biting. Um, so a lot of shutdown horses start to bite, things like that. Horses that bite at the girth. And one of the biggest forms of biting is through the, throughout the horse's training, it's not had an alternative and it thinks it has to stand still. So it's got the emotional hobble on, uh, which is the horse thinks I have to stand still and the scorpions just walk around me, especially horses that, you know, why I say scorpions, horses that see us as scorpions or something we don't, you know, they don't like us. So with those horses, um, I give them their right to think and move back. So basically a horse that, you know, bites when we girth it or bites when, you know, I might sort of teach it how to softly lead to a belly rope or something like that. So when the horse starts to think about biting, I apply a certain pressure until it moves. And then when it moves, it goes, oh, oh, this is a, a, a yield, not, not, oh, I thought I just had to stand still and put up with all that stuff. 
So a lot of handling, biting and stuff like that is usually because the horse was taught to stand too quickly, but it never got comfortable or confident with the thing that we're applying to it. So with those horses, I'll go back and find out what the thing is that we're applying to it that scares it. And then I might give it an alternative whilst I'm handling it or while I'm building it up to handling it to those things. And then the horse can sort of move its feet or think about following the lead rope or something. And then I can get it to follow the lead rope underneath the saddle blanket if the saddle blanket was causing it to bite. And then the horse, instead of biting, realizes, oh, it doesn't, it's not emotionally hobbled, it has to stand still. And it moves into the conversation. So that's where, you know, I would be more still and I would lead the horse into, you know, different situations where it's thinking and moving. And then I start applying the pressures that it once was biting to. Um, I hope that doesn't confuse you, that one. But, yeah, it's just um, giving them the right to think and move back. And that, that, that'll curve a lot of uh, biting in, in a lot of horses. But, but yeah, really, it's just an it's um it's just it's just still them communicating. So you don't just kind of rouse on it all the time because we, we it's our responsibility to listen to our horses in a way that um so they don't want to be in that frame of mind that they they want to bite in you know when we're approaching them and stuff like that. Okay, the next question is from Maybelline, and she has a she says first of all actually. Um, she says, thank you for the opportunity to ask you a question, Mark. She had an accident on her 10-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred um, 12 months ago. He bolted and she broke some ribs. She's been restarting him on the ground. She's just discovered you and her, your horsemanship is helping her to realise that there are lots of underlying issues that he probably needs help with. So he, she sort of describes some of the issues that he's been having. And I'll let you know just a couple of them so you kind of get a picture. He will pull back when he feels unsafe. He'll put up a circle show when he's frustrated with pressure on the lead rope. He shuts down to the legs. He'll pin his ears and shake his head if you insist on using carrying him with leg pressure. It's a battle of wheels to have him lead past her. I won't go on, but there's a few other things. So she wants to um, handle him in a different way. She wants to try and do things in the right way, but she can probably only manage two or three times a week. Her question is, given the limited amount of time and she wants to get one thing right, the question is, what one thing would you suggest that she works on, first of all? Hmm. Can I give you two things? Certainly can. Because um, I will give you one quick answer. And it, it's always the responsibility one of, a, of an aware horse person. Um, but well, that won't be the only answer because it's not the only fix. Um, but you're obviously doing a fair few things. So one one of the things I will t will tell you to do is be 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 more aware. And the next thing I'll I'll, I'll tell you to do is uh, like a, a pick a a sort of exercise to teach your horse. And I'm glad you said one thing because um, by the sounds of it, you, you're trying a few different things there, and each one you're coming against a, a bit of a an argument. So um, you pick one thing that's really important in the educational thing and, and it's better off doing one thing really well than a lot of things for, you know, mediocre. So the first thing is just the basic awareness in yourself and um, the horse trying to communicate to you. So that starts off at a distance when they're out in the paddock and now the responsibility, you know, all the health checks that people get. But so when you go up to your horse or when you're walking out to your horse, just notice, you know, how they deal with you and their awareness of you if they get a little hard when you walk into the paddock things like that and and 
I think in, you start to do a little bit more approach and retreat style sort of catching in the sense that you listen to your horse a little bit more instead of just walk up and catch it and, and you've already set the bad seed. So basically um, be a little bit more aware of them. And also, you know, if you, if you catch them a bit slower and it's a bit of a dialect, so if the horse gets a bit hard, you might wade a little or step back in a little space and they get a little bit curious again, then they might meet you and you might meet them and you're on that similar ground that, that they've come into the conversation. You haven't just come up and caught them because you own them. Um, so that's the most responsible, you know, that's a really important thing. But I'm not saying, you know, listening to them and listening's education, I'm saying it's, it's a responsibility. Sometimes you can... Um, over listen in the sense that you think you're trying to fix something by listening but actually fixing it you've got to get your horse to make a bigger shift but it's it's very important to have the the exercise that i'd really work on with your horse is leading the every clinic i do i tend to be getting people back to leading leadings you know why leading why why don't i pick you know i don't know some other thing you know like say hooking on in a round yard or something like that it's like well you know you've sort of when you've walked up to your horse and you first put a hand on it you've kind of already done that you've already you've already had a conversation with your horse and your horse has come into the conversation so you've kind of done your bit of a um you know they've hooked on to you a bit you've hooked on to them and and uh so the next thing i, I do is, is is leading and the reason is is because every single horse i've ever had arrive at a clinic has always come off with a halter on their head and there's so many pressures we're going to put on horses that the horses can feel that they need to respond to that that head pressure is probably the most important one because that's the one we use the most when we ride in the sense of getting the horse out of trouble uh, getting them balanced all that sort of stuff um, and then we're going to put pressure on their ribs and you know with our legs and then we're going to have all that sort of stuff so to me understanding one of those and the most important one is so important so it's the leading one so the lesson i would sort of work most on is from the end of a rope i would teach your horse to lead and i wouldn't do much more than that until the horse is leading um so the reason the horse won't walk past you is he doesn't know how to lead um and he hasn't got to a stage that he's ready to put his eyes past you so most horses when we lead them by if they know how to lead very well they'll kind of go by because they're ready to go by because we might have spent two or three days getting them ready just to go by um, and that's where people have a bit of trouble with leading by lessons is because they go, oh, Mark does this lesson, we get the horses lead past. Um, it might take me a while to get that horse ready to lead, lead past because there's other things in there we've got to work on. So by the sounds of it, you touch on that pressure and he doesn't like it and he feels trapped with pressure. And that's why leading is one of the best ones that you can teach him. So it starts off with just maybe take, <clears throat> taking a follow, following a feel forward. A really good human habit to get into um, and I was just doing a, um, an audio uh, sorry a, a virtual lesson today and I was talking about it as a really good habit to, to, to have is pick up the lead before you move your body it's just a simple thing everybody can think about when they go and catch their horse you know everyone thinks it's all about our energy and our you know and I talk about being a tree and all this sort of stuff and but the most important thing is how a horse responds to the lead rope. So I would say um, the lead rope has first say and last say, and we're just kind of there <laughs> to sort of be there. So, you know, when you go to lead your horse off, pick up the lead first, make sure he softens and responds to it. And as soon as he starts to 
soften and respond to it, then you can join and move. Even if you're in front of him and you want to lead a meter in front of him, he still has to move to the feel of the lead first and then you walk off and you, you kind of go together. And that goes back to that old saying, I go with you, you go with me, and then we go together. Um, I always get a horse to do something through the lead and then I kind of follow that idea that I've created through the lead. Not me pick up my energy first and then I, if the horse doesn't respond, I pull on him. I, don't, I would say don't do that. Make sure he learns that everything he's thinking about and doing is through the feel of that lead rope. And then he'll, it'll, he'll start to realise he's to listen to that lead rope. It's not about you and your energy and all that sort of stuff. Um, he'll put more effort into trying to understand that. And if that lead rope is constantly a pathway, then it's not going to be a trap. The more he understands, so, so how do you get a horse not to, not to think that the lead rope's a trap, is you offer an alternative, which is the pathway. So the pathway has boundaries. But if, there's, if, there's some, if you're on a pathway um, and it kind of kept going, you might see a guardrail there and you might see a guardrail there, but you're not frightened of the guardrails because you know you can keep walking along the pathway. And a lot of horses just think when we put pressure on them, it's to trap them. And that's why they get angry and they rear and, or, you know, all sorts of things. So as long as that rope is a pathway, soon enough when you present a boundary to him, the horse won't be so frightened of the boundary because he knows that there's an alternative um, and, he, and he can follow that. So... So something once you know, once you're working with him like that, um, then I would start to present a little bit of worry. So the horses that have learnt to pull back a little bit and been shoved around with pressure and they just don't understand it, sometimes I like them to seek out the pressure instead of the pressure pulling on them all the time. So I might pick up the lightest amount of feel that the knot of the hole is starting to shift. I might be on a two metre rope or something standing in front of him and I'll create a bit of uh, worry enough to get him just to kind of push back a little just enough and then he'll go oh i found that and then he'll sort of hopefully release and come forward a bit and he'll start to find the boundaries himself so so sometimes when you set a boundary you set the boundary you're not kind of just bumping and pulling everywhere all over the place all the time uh, and that'll get them really confident and consistent in that leading and there's so many pathways in lead leading to me is like leading you know you pretty well get so much done with leading that you wouldn't realise it. And someone one day actually, a, a fellow at the last clinic, he said, so he said he heard this, you know, uh, a saying, it was, it was um, I think it was Tom Dorrance's True Unity book. He, he, there was a few things he couldn't, um, you know, quite understand because of the way Tom, Tom said it. And he said, so what you're saying there, like Tom said, you should, uh, I think it was, you, can, you should be able to put a rope on any part of your horse. And, and, and this, this fellow, he said, he, I couldn't quite understand what he meant. And he said, after he watched a lesson of, of um, using the, the rope to teach the horse to lead softly around its belly, uh, he said, I kind of understand that now. So no matter where that rope's connected to on that horse, the horse knows it can follow the feel and it can softly yield with that rope. Um, and, and, and that makes horses feel very comfortable and safe with pressure if we do it right. So any girthing problems, I teach the horse to lead any you know, a horse doesn't know how to move its hindquarter softly, I teach it how to lead. If it doesn't know how to move its forequarter, I teach it how to lead. Everything sort of, to me, goes back to that spot because that, um, you, then you get a horse that's really balanced and confident when you ride it because the, the, the two things that they're really going to be offended of, of when you ride them is when you pull on their head and when you put your, put your heels on their ribs. So the head one is... Um, 
very refined. It's it's something that's got so many options with it. The rib one's not. There's not as much. Uh, there, you know, it's, it's not not as such a big subject as the reins. So so that's why leading is is always the one that you work most on. But yeah, simple leading forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, and then move across and lead with the feel first, and just start to implement that in all your training and. Uh, and don't ask anything until the horse is soft with the feel. So don't ask them to walk past you until your horse has got no brace in it. If you see it, does, if it doesn't have any brace in it and it's kind of going flow, flowy, nice, then ask it to flow by and it'll probably walk right on past. But if it's still kind of lumpy and bracy and you're trying to drag it by, don't even even ask it to walk by you. Just um, keep working on taking that brace out and it's tough. But, you know, a couple of weeks of it, you'll start to notice a bit of a difference. And then all the other things start to sort of fall into place uh, themselves a bit more. So Maybelline, just so that you know, there is two things that you uh, to really help guide you on both of the things Mark's been talking about. One is the challenge. The challenge will talk you through how he restarts a relationship with a horse, you know, starting with you, working through to leading, working through to riding. So you'll find some really good... Um, practical advice that will sort of follow through one to the next so definitely look up that challenge and secondly the leading there are um, because mark rates leading so highly there are different sections dedicated to different types of leading on the membership whole load of videos there follow them through because that's you're going to see what he means what he's looking out for and getting rid of those braces look for the braces in your horse when you're doing the leading that's what you're trying to get rid of Okay, good luck. It's lovely to have you on board. Thank you for your questions. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jenny. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.